2: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Total Saints podcast. I'm John O. Holmes, and this is our weekly get-together with some Saints experts to discuss all things Southampton Football Club. As always, we are streaming our podcast on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter and Twitch. So if you're watching live on Sunday evening, you can leave your comments for the panel as we go. So coming up on this week's pod, we will be discussing that defeat to Aston Villa on Friday night. We'll talk international call-ups. Musa Jenapo's new contract and we'll be looking ahead to our next game which is at home to Everton after the international break. Our panel this week includes Steve Grant who's the owner of Saints Web, Glenn Delacour the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten and Alfie House is the Saints reporter for the Southern Daily Echo. Before we start this week we also want to shout out a few loyal patrons and long-term listeners of the show. A huge congratulations to dan and tori atkins who brought a new saint into the world on tuesday seven pounds and seven ounces theo atkins and that massive message is passed on to us from mark who's a loyal listener to uh, the total saints podcast so from all of us here at tsp a massive congratulations to you guys great news okay underpinned by our tsp patrons this is episode 207 of the total saints podcast
3: Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast.
2: Well, I don't know about you, but I've definitely had better Friday nights. That's one way of putting it, I think, in what uh, is being described by some as uh, potentially one of the worst games of football in Premier League history. Saints sunk to a 1-0 defeat away at Aston Villa on Friday night. Both teams contributed to a pretty awful game where shots on target were few and far between. In fact, it was just one shot on target for Saints. and Maybe one of you guys will remind me on what that was in a second because I can't even remember it. It's uh, now three defeats in four for Saints and uh, we're currently sitting 14th heading into the international break with seven points from seven games. Steve, first of all, I'll start with you. Have you had a good uh, couple of weeks and um, more importantly, have you woken up yet?
4: Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been okay. I mean, l- last weekend was frustratingly curtailed, wasn't it, with the, the news about the Queen and we all had a surprise weekend off, which felt like football kind of got the wrong mood of the country, really. Every other sport played and paid its respects in, in their own way and football decided, now nah, we're just going to, we're not going to bother. Despite the practicalities of the fixture carnage that we've got this season. Nope, we'll we'll shut everything down and basically kick the can down the road for later in the season, which I'm looking forward to. Jurgen Klopp's complaints when Liverpool are having to play four times in a week um, in April. That'll be fun. But yeah, I mean it's it's been it's been a frustrating couple of weeks, hasn't it? Because after getting into a position where we thought okay, we've kind of got our system nailed. Now we look like we know what we're doing. We've got that excellent win against Chelsea. Since then, it's kind of ground to a bit of a halt. We were all right against Wolves, I thought. deserved something out of the game, really. To be honest, if some Premier League adjudicator had come in at full time at Villa Park on Friday night and said, no, both of you are getting no points for this, (laughs) um, I don't think anybody could have justifiably complained. It was just dreadful. And both teams contributed to it by being just useless could hardly string three or four passes together at any given moment real lack of energy from both teams really I mean Villa looked a little bit more more lively in in spells but apart from like the first five ten minutes of the game and probably the last five minutes we never really looked like we had any any impetus at all and it was very disappointing against a team that let's be honest they were there for the taking they're not very good and their manager's been under pressure for a while because they spent all this money and they're still not very good Villa fans as a sort of collective have a very high opinion of themselves even though the vast majority of their fan base weren't alive when they won the European Cup um, they don't half like to remind people about the fact that they did so so they've, they've got ideas way above their station Friday night should have been an opportunity for us to really kind of get under their skins if we could have got a goal early on then they'd have absolutely turned on them it just just feels like a huge missed opportunity really
2: uh, Alfie, um, what about you? How's your uh, couple of weeks been? You were at the game uh, the other night too, weren't you? Was the best bit the journey
5: home? What was it? Uh, no, but actually, the, the, yeah, I shouldn't really get into it, but the, the journey home was a nightmare. I didn't realise that uh, part of the M6 closes at that time of night after a football match. So I ended up driving halfway around Birmingham trying to get home. But I wanted to touch on something that, um, that Steve actually said. He said that it looked like Southampton were further along the process you know they look like they had a shape that worked. They like they, you know it was, it was a long ball shape, but it was working. You know it was, and um, and then the first thing that Ralph said after the game was, "We have a, you know I thought we were further along. We have a lot of work to do." So I think the Wolves' performance, though it was the same result, you know, very similar game, not quite as bad, that didn't disappoint Ralph. You know, Ralph thought that they deserved to get a point or even three out of that game, but he was you know visibly shocked when he came into the press conference room after the match at Villa. And you know he said before the game, you know we want to show a different face. We we all know what happened last year in March, at Villa Park, and what then happened after that. Um, and, you know he said we want to show a different face, but didn't they showed exactly the same face again? And I think that was why people were really frustrated. But you know I tweeted it yesterday, um AFC Bournemouth have had a a better start on numbers now. You know I don't think they'll be there by the end, but they have got eight points to seven, and I think that you can't argue that Friday evening was was the worst performance of the season so far.
3: I thought it was on Ralph on Friday. Starting lineup was shocking on paper, and it was even worse on the pitch. Unbelievable! Those three players behind Shay Adams, all selected basically because they can do stuff off the ball. You can't play one up front if you've got no one who can progress the ball. It's just shocking.
4: Yeah, I mean, yeah. From I mean, from from one from one to eleven, it was just awful, wasn't it? There was no no cohesion, no energy about us. Um, I think Carl Walker Peter said afterwards that that, yeah, it wasn't wasn't anywhere near up to to the level. Yeah, it's just I just don't really understand how we've suddenly become a team that just disintegrates when we don't have an 18-year-old who's played
3: four senior games in our team. I think there's definitely a case of, I mean, Warprouse was crap, but he's always crap when he plays next to Diallo, always, because it's almost like he doesn't trust him, so he can't do his own job properly.
4: I mean, I know it's kind of heresy, but, I mean, has he been any good all season? I can't think of him having a, a sort of genuinely good game. Not certainly not at anywhere near the sort of level that that he was last season, that's for sure.
2: Well I was gonna I was gonna say, you know, Glenn, nine of the starting eleven for La Villa game were at the club last season. So we've got ten summer signings. Only two
3: started the game. Why are we so loyal to the old guard? I, I don't get it. No, I don't get it either. Um I've seen things like we've won the transfer window, we've signed all these new players, but the three players we ended up playing behind Shea Adams were three players who were poor last year, and they were all selected because of what they can do off the ball, and it, it, it was just it was just awful. And the comments he made about Maitland Niles after the game as well, you know, saying oh he's good on the ball, but he's not so good off it. Well, hang on, you know, football's not about what you can do with the ball as well, you know, not just about defending. That, that's just atrocious. I just thought that was an atrocious comment he made about Maitland-Niles. And it was it was just a lack of bravery. You know, he goes on about about bravery. There was none in that team selection. And, you know, I saw people having a go at Che Adams saying that um, he was poor. And he, and he undoubtedly was. But we could have signed Haaland or Lewandowski and stuck him up front. It wouldn't have made the slightest difference. You can't it's virtually impossible to do anything with a, the lack of service, lack of support runners. I mean, I was, as soon as I knew Ashley Young was playing, I was thinking, yeah, get a Dozie against him. First first minute, he'll get himself sent off. And you saw what would happen In the, you know, when a Dozie come on, 80th minute, run past him, once hacked him down, yellow card. If we were brave, we'd have played a Dozie from the start. But we weren't. We were. We were pathetic. It was just awful. Couldn't stand it. Really, it was just an awful game to watch, and it was a massive step backwards. I, I thought the Wolves' performance—it was slightly unlucky, you know. But the, this, this wasn't unlucky. Villa were dreadful. Villa were absolutely appalling from the start. They wouldn't have beaten any other team in the Premier League with that performance. But but they beat us because we we didn't go for it. We, just, we were just shocking from the start, allowed them to grow into the game. And that's that's why they, that's why they won. They got the goal. They, they managed to hang on to it. And as I said before, I, th- I thought it was totally down to Ralph and the message he sent out. We've, we've played now Villa and Wolves, two teams with zero. I don't think either of them had won. Or, they, you know, they've been shocking generally. And we've handed them three points by being timid and the complete opposite of the the bravery that we're supposed to be showing these days.
5: What were your thoughts on the uh, team selection, Alfie? Yeah, I mean, by and large, I agree with Glenn. I wasn't actually surprised to see that Adam Armstrong retained his starting place. It would have been a, a big ask to chuck a dozy in straight away. But certainly, I mean, El has now started uh, seven consecutive matches, if you include the um, the EFL Cup game. Like like Glenn said, Ralph sees a lot of what he does off the ball. But in a game like that, where Villa, they've won one game before that, you 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 feel that someone else could have been there. Joe Aribo on the bench. I know that Ralph likes the idea of him as a as a finisher. You can't help but feel that, that he could have done slightly more. And I think to be fair, the rest of the team, you know, did pick it itself. Uh, I don't think there's too much you could have done. It's a shame that Ainsley Meton Niles it is deemed not ready or, or whatever it is. I mean, for me that was a a clear message from Ralph because you know, there are players on that bench. Juan Larios is eighteen years old. You know, they have a. You know, Ralph said we have a lot of work to do with Ainsley. They have a lot of work to do with Juan, but he's still on the bench. He still comes on for forty-five minutes. Um. So for me, it's, it's, Ainsley is purely uh, trying to send a message to him, and it's perhaps reminiscent of some of the things we've heard about him from Arsenal. But I agree again. Why not just have him on there? You know, how how poor is he going to be even if he's not ready? even If he's not tuned in tactically? You know, even if he's not even. Trying that hard in training, which also we don't know is the case, but he still was a good option and you know potentially a better option. Happened to bring Ibrahim Diallo off after 45 minutes and put Joe Rebo on in the middle of the park, playing a defensive role, completely negating his ability going forward. As a result of one 18-year-old being injured, it, it does show that there's a, there's a massive lack of depth there. But yeah, I feel one or two positions could have been different, but by and large, the team the team does pick itself. Super Saint Christoph, uh,
2: thank you for your comments. There's shades of Puao in that performance uh, the other night. Just the mention of that name makes me wince. Um, but uh, Steve, I want to come to you on this because you know, we've got a young side, we know that. Uh you know, so performances are inevitably sometimes going to be really good like against Chelsea and sometimes not going to be as good, but we're not expecting it to be quite as bad as the other night. I mean, that was pretty shocking, wasn't it? Do you think they were overreacting, maybe? Um,
4: yes and no. I mean, long term, I'm, I'm really concerned about one individual result and performance, as long as things get taken into context. Let's also kind of look at that, that side on Friday night. It wasn't that young. Diallo's been around a couple of years now. Obviously, Prowse, Prowse is in his late 20s now. Aribo coming on is 26, 27, I think. It's not an inexperienced team. That we actually put out there on Friday night. Certainly, some of the some of the lineups we had earlier in the season, when other players were available and and we were doing things slightly differently, then yeah, sure, that was that was a kind of acceptable sort of context that you apply to the the team. Say, so, well, they're learning; it's going to be inconsistent. And I've got no problem with young players. are going to, naturally They're going to be inconsistent because they're not developed they're not necessarily used to playing at this sort of pace two or three times a week but eventually you've got to kind of look at the experienced players and say well okay come on lads this this is where you've got a you've got to lend a hand and and provide a bit of leadership to these guys and there doesn't appear to be a huge amount of leadership in in that in that
3: team uh, right this minute Salisu and Bella Kochap were the only two who you saw trying to actually coax a performance out of the rest of the guys and they they're two of the youngest. Is that a positive Glenn? Do you think the defense is looking better if it, you know, if that's one thing to take from it? There were very few positives. Yeah. From that game, you know, Larios's debut and I, you know, you can look at the Wolves and the Villa games and say, yeah, okay, we look better defensively. And Ralph's got to trust this back four. You know, he, he has to, but I mean the caveat to that is both Wolves and Villa didn't offer much going forward particularly. But you can you only defend against what's you know what's in front of you, and they you know I thought we as a, as a back four we've defended okay in in these two games. You could argue that that's because Ralph has then put five other defensive players in front of them. He's got to trust that back four and use it as a as a basis to you know and pick three or four players who are actually decent on the ball and then we might actually have some attack in play. He just seems to have gone totally into his shell. But yeah, I I thought the defense, as a rule, they they stood up pretty well. There there, there was a couple of hairy moments, as as there always are going to be. But um, I thought Perot did all right until he got um, until he was on the wrong end of that tackle from um, Bailey, was it? Who? Hmm. um, Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there was a few tackles in there that you know, the one Jacob Ramsey got booked for when he just hacked down Genepo. That's the sort of challenge that I think should be a red card because it's all very well doing a tactical foul just pulling someone back but if you absolutely wipe someone out with no attempt to go for the ball whatsoever that's the sort of tackle I'd have no problem with it being a red card but it never is it's it's just a yellow so but anyway yeah back to the positives it, i th- i think the defence was okay and they've got they've got to stick with that going forward
2: yeah it's it's still though actually um Saints have conceded in 18 away games in a row and it's now 13 league games without a clean sheet. I mean, while we say the defence looks a little bit more solid, Alfie, that stat is going to have to change because, well, we don't look like we're going to score many goals at the moment, do we? (laughs)
5: No, but I think, to be fair, they, they have limited the opposition to chances in, in the past few games. I think mean, only, you know, Wolves must have had, what, one or two chances at most. They they kept Chelsea at bay after the first 20 minutes of the game. United didn't exactly have many shots on goal. So I think while they've not kept a clean sheet, they're not actually that far away from it. It was just, I mean, the goal on Friday evening was in the ground. You don't see it too clearly. But I think some people said that Bozzini should have pushed, uh, pushed the ball onto the bar or over the bar rather than, you know, back into play. It's, it's quite difficult to tell. Yeah, I agree with Glenn. I'm not worried about the defence at all, I think. Although Carl Walker-Peters probably had a, a bit of a torrid evening at Villa Park on Friday. The player that you always rely on, player that you need to rely on, he got bullied. But John McGinn, how did he not get booked for that, you know, that 90 minutes? I mean, like, there was a couple of occasions where I thought he should have had a yellow. But you have to give Villa that. They came out wanting to, to rumble them. They came out wanting to win the physical battle and they did. Uh, The starting lineup, Steve, saw Musa Genepo starting in a
2: more advanced role as well, compared to where he's been masked to play so far this season. And uh, this is, of course, after he signed a new three-year contract earlier in the week. Are you surprised at that, and do you think it's deserved, that that contract?
4: I mean, I I guess the news was a relative surprise, but given that he's been involved in every game this season, I, I guess I'm not hugely surprised they've offered him a new deal you could kind of see in those those early games when he was playing at either fullback or wingback that okay he, he looked as if he'd adjusted to that position and he was positionally disciplined and did okay and i think if he's if he's your option as a as kind of a backup in kind of all three of those potential roles down the left-hand side then okay yeah fine you need you need players who are good in the dressing room popular with everybody else as he by the sound of it is and is willing to kind of, is versatile enough and good enough every so often to slot into those roles where, where you have holes. There's kind of no point having, I think, slightly better players for a defined role who is constantly sitting on the bench and is then getting arsey and, and causing problems. As I say, while the, the news this week was kind of out of the blue, given that he, he was into his last year, I'm not hugely surprised that he was off the deal.
2: Glenn, you've been his, uh, well,
4: fair
3: to say, a, a critic at times. Um, what were your thoughts on that? If I may give the opposite point of view, I, I don't know why they've given him a contract. Really don't. When everyone's fit, he's he's basically our fourth-choice right-back, fourth-choice left-back, and he's had two good games on the wing in three years. I said earlier on in the season that his performances at left-back, to my mind, had earned him the the opportunity to play further up the pitch to see what he could do. I don't really have a problem with him having the odd game further forward because, as I said all season, the number 10s have never really done it. He needs to have three or four games, at, at, you know, decent games further forward before you offer him a contract, in my opinion. Um, I, I just have a feeling this is this is going to be one that we're going to be looking at in a couple of years' time, thinking the guy's played four games or whatever in two years. And, bearing, you know, bear in mind, he only played three three games, was it, last year? And I, I just don't get it. it. It strikes me a bit like the Alex McCarthy one last year, where he had a couple of decent games, and we went, right, okay, we're going to tie down this player who no one else is going to poach off us. I, I don't get it. I'd, have, I'd have left him hanging till Christmas. Well, I hope he's not on McCarthy's contract, at least. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's another thing. I mean, how much money he's on? If he's on, if he's on, if he was on stupid money, then you, you definitely say what on earth is going on here. But it depends, sort of, like how much they've, they've committed towards it but I mean we don't know the details maybe Alfie does I don't know
2: well let's ask uh, Alfie were you, were you uh, in the media surprised and, and also don't tell Glenn that Elianusi's next because
5: that could finish him off I think <laughs> yeah that's that's the waiting um I was surprised that it was three years I think um because there's a lengthy contract and it's, it's, you know, it's a big commitment but I'm I'm actually sort of more leading towards Steve's stance I think you know in a football squad with twenty twenty one players you need some players who are happy not playing all the time, even if that's ten games a season. I think he played twelve times in Premier League last season. Most of those were from the bench. Um, you know, he he's not one of Southampton's highest earning players. He's somebody who is who is happy to play a number of roles and who is happy to sit on the bench uh, when he needs to, and like like Steve alluded to, he's, he's really good um uh, with the group. Everyone likes him. Um so yeah, no, I know I was surprised that it's three years, but I'm I'm not surprised they've given him a new deal. And Ralph likes him a lot as well, as we can see.
2: Yeah. Okay. We've we've touched on Ralph a little bit. I'd like to, you know, talk about the, the manager because it it never feels like we're far away from talking about his situation again, you know, with the the rumblings around after a defeat. Steve, you know, he's got a lot of exciting young players. He's been given all the tools now by Sports Republic as well. And um, you know, at some point, you know, with the owners putting their money where their mouth is, they're going to expect Better performances than that, aren't they? Do you think he's still under pressure or do you think he was never not under pressure?
4: Oh, it's a bit of a cliche, but I think you're always under pressure in the in the spotlight and glare of the Premier League. But I think realistically, I mean back end of last season you would have thought was probably the other than after the after that Leicester 9 0, I think back end of last season was probably the, the hardest pressure he's come under. And yet the club backed him. And they, they backed him very visibly by binning off the coaching staff, giving him new tools to work with and not asking him just to pick a player to sell before signing some new blood. So I think the club clearly like the cut of his jib. But as you say, having, having given him these shiny new baubles to play with, eventually they're going to want to they're going to want to see some uh, see some tangible results i mean ultimately you also have to factor in that by very nature you're signing all these young players they're going to be inconsistent and they're going to need a little bit of time so i think ultimately as long as we're not in any sort of dire relegation battle come the second half of the season i think he he absolutely gets all season to to see what he can see what he can do with these players because we've already seen on an individual level that pretty much all of these players you can imagine in 12 to 18 months time if they all continue the rate of progression that we've already seen in little fits and starts that's got the potential to be one hell of a side so i think they'll they'll kind of give him they'll give Ralph enough rope essentially if he can't make anything out of this this group of players that he's been given then come next summer um it might be time for a change but i think the i think they will they will take a long term well, at least medium-term view of it and and give him the whole season and probably not probably not put a whole load of pressure on him in the background, I wouldn't have thought. Are you in agreement with that, Glenn? Do you,
3: you see that how, how it is? Uh, yeah, more or less. It's just, you get games like the Villa game where he just frustrates the hell out of me. The lack of bravery shown to go out and try and win these games against poor teams. I tend to go on an individual game-by-game basis, which is not the way you should do it. Obviously, you're supposed to look at the bigger picture. But... Because of what happened at the tail end last year, I, I find myself more and more now looking at individual games and, and thinking, how did, how did Ralph do in, in this game? And how did he do in that game? And I, I just want him to do better. For the amount of money that we pay him, and he is one of the highest paid managers in the Premier League, I kind of want him to do better. I, I want us to be to look like we're working towards something. And there, there just seems to be this muddled thinking that creeps in every so often. It's like he's haunted by the ghost of Villa Park Pass, so let's pick 10 defenders. And it was just it was just so, so bad. And I've, it was one of those games where I just felt sorry for everyone who went to it, and to a lesser extent, you know, people like me who watched it elsewhere. It was just well, at, least surely, at least surely it you had a pint of mythos in your hand. <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd a pint of booze. <laughs> <over>. <laughs> you <laughs> need something stronger after that, don't you? Got it coming, <laughs> coming out of my nose. Got it coming out of my nose. But um, <laughs> no. It, so he needs to. He needs to step up more. Yeah. You know, it's all very well saying players need to step up, but he needs to step up. I mean, the, the decision over maitland house just didn't make sense to me. You know, who could have predicted that Diallo would have been rubbish? And and the, so so we end up burning a Rebo as an attacking option. I, just lots of things. that I just do. Surely, Michael Niles was worth a place on the bench.
4: Well, apparently, Theo Walcott was worth a place on the bench.
3: Yeah, I know. That that is that is weird. Competition winner.
4: Hey, look. At, at <laughs> least at least we're
3: not Leicester, <laughs> uh, Glenn. I'm sure you're feeling really <laughs> sorry for Brendan Rodgers at the moment. Yeah, it's one of those things that eats me up. <laughs> um, I was I was in the airport last night, and there was there was actually a Leicester fan watching it on it on his iPad, and I, I was stood behind him. Thinking this guy's on the same delayed flight as me, I'm really not gonna, <laughs> not going to not going to start laughing or rub it in. It's like fourth goal goes in, fifth goal goes in, very amusing for Brendan, obviously, and he's he's just waiting till the day he gets sacks and gets his payout, isn't he? Let's face it, and he'll he'll be looking for another club to rehabilitate his career, much like he did when he went to um, went to Celtic.
2: Uh, Alfie, I just wanted to speak to you about the uh, the international call-ups because uh, obviously the players go off now on international duty. Some headlines from the uh, selections in the week. Ward Prowse is in the England squad. Carl Walker-Peters missed out. Uh, we had Sam Adosi getting a, a call-up to the England under-20 squad as well. And the one I wanted to get your thoughts on, um, Armel Bella Kotchap's first call-up to the Germany senior squad. I mean, we knew he was good. This just proves it really, doesn't it?
5: Yeah, I think, you know... I saw somebody tweet um, something which I found quite interesting, which was, if he had been playing this well when he was English, would Gareth Southgate have him anywhere near the England team? I think, you know, almost certainly not. He'd have to do it for a much longer period of time. So it makes me wonder the depth of Germany's options. But, um, yeah, he's somebody who's obviously played really well for Germany's under-21 setup. They know him very well. And um, Hansi Flick revealed that Danny Roll came to Southampton, uh, came back here to watch Armel at some point. We don't know when that happened, but he was on site. Um, and he obviously... I imagine he had a good conversation with Ralph, and I imagine Ralph sang all of his praises. and He gets that chance, and it can only be a good thing, can't it? It'd be interesting to see if he plays um, against England. Is that is that in Munich or is that in uh, London? Uh, that's uh, Wem-
4: Wembley next Monday. Wembley.
5: Yeah. 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 It'd be interesting if he gets a chance there, it'd be interesting to see how he does. Something completely unrelated, I just wanted to talk about actually, because Steve, you mentioned coaches a minute ago, and um, I was just thinking we've had three set piece coaches in the last year. So you've had Dave Watson, Alex Clapham came in, but he left after three or four um, Premier League games, and then. Ruben Sellers now leads on the set pieces, but all of them have decided that uh, Mohamed Salisu is the, the best man for the long throwing job. And I'm not passing a judgment on that, but I find it interesting that all three coaches have, have decided that's the plan.
4: Yeah, it's odd, isn't it? Um <laughs> yeah, I, I can't I can't make a head nor tail of it. I mean, to be fair, I mean when it when he has these games, yeah, where it's it, worked. Yeah, it, it
5: yeah, has it, it, worked. They've they had a few Yeah, and yeah. I mean, they win the second balls, but yeah, and their War goal versus Spurs, Adams at Leicester, yeah. it does work. But you know, it's when you, when you see him chuck it straight out of play in the end of the game yeah. at Villa Park, it just makes you think
3: could have done. I, was, more. I thought that, I thought that was an interesting variation. <laughs>
5: yeah,
3: you know, keeps the other team keeps the other team guessing. Ninety second minute, just lob it straight out of play. Why waste time trying to
4: trying to win the second win the second ball that we'll only give away to? Cut out the middleman, just throw it straight
3: out. I mean, it is embarrassing when he has to call players closer because he, he can barely reach the penalty area with it. It is it is embarrassing when he has to do that. And uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, so he threw that one out of play. Didn't he throw one at Gineppo that bobbled straight off his shins? and uh, was, Shambolic. Yeah.
4: Part of it is, I mean, it's, it's not just the whole, oh, we're going to take a long throw because we think it's dangerous. Part of it is also basically eating up time, isn't it? Yeah. Um, because we want to i i mean obviously friday is a terrible example because we showed no intensity whatsoever but we want to the idea is that we want to be operating at full intensity for as many periods of the game as possible so actually taking time out of the game when you can and giving players those few extra seconds of rest is theoretically a good idea so you waste 25 30 seconds for Salasu to trot trot up the up from center back to take a throw in all of a sudden those midfield players have got a little bit more energy and theoretically they're they're good to go for a, for another sort of little spell of intensity but i mean it kind of only works when you are Intense and we've and we we absolutely were not that on Friday.
5: No, but I think for for the segue back to the internationals, I think Mohammed Sallas who's been called up to the Ghana squad, hasn't he, could potentially make his debut. So I'll be keenly watching to see if he's on the set pieces for them as well. But you also mentioned John, there's a Don Ballard, the eighteen year old, sorry, Don Ballard, seventeen year old. He's yeah. in England teams as well. Um obviously yeah. a brilliant player. Scored against Leeds on, on Friday evening against Liam Cooper, Luke Aylin. Yeah. Credit well, to him. Well
4: Leeds Leeds put out basically a basically a senior team, didn't they, in that game?
5: Yeah, they did, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah they won the result. What's the, yeah, man, a what's the limit for overage players in the over in the under uh, It's 23s? four outfield over, Is it
5: four outfield, one in goal, or is it five? Well, yeah, about half a team. About half a team. So
2: And we had we had some more good news today, actually. We we did get a win this weekend. Saints Ladies uh in the championship won two one at Palace. I think you were there, Steve. Am, am, I, right in, am I right in saying? Yes.
4: Yeah. Oh. Um yeah, they were they were they were pretty good, I thought. I mean their their game management at the end of either half was largely awful, but I think that's just something that you you kind of have to learn as you as you acclimatise yourself to the sort of higher level, higher standard of opposition you're playing against. I mean, ultimately, if they'd if they'd been a little bit more clinical in front of goal, they'd have been four 0 up inside half an hour, and would have scored another three or four in the second half on the on the break once they got back in front. But um, that was a deserved win in a in a game. To be honest, they were second favourites for they they were not fancied in in this game at all. Palace had hundred percent record. Uh, coming into the game apart from the occasional moment largely largely self-inflicted really with were, were the only ch- only things Palace created yeah apart from that they, they didn't really didn't really lay a glove on us and and it was yeah as I said um deserved win and obviously they're first at they first at that level
2: yeah good stuff that's what we like a win this weekend to celebrate going into the uh the international break just before we uh, move on and preview Everton which is in two weeks time now the first part of the season is done. You know, we've, we've made it to the first international break. It's an opportunity to kind of, you know, take stock and look how the start to the season has been. Seven games in, seven points, a couple of good wins in there. Glenn, are you where we you, you thought we'd be uh, going into the international break? Or,
3: or how do you assess it? Um, yeah, we are, points-wise, we are roughly where I thought we'd be. However, we, after the wins against Leicester and Chelsea, which no one was really expecting. I certainly wasn't expecting wins from those two games when the when the fixtures initially came out. To my mind, we've had an opportunity to be up where Brighton are, perhaps. And we, we should, to my mind, have won one of the games against Wolves and against Villa. So overall, happy enough, I guess, but the, the last two games have been bad and we can't we can't really sort of like get away from that. So hopefully the international break will um will see some sort of straight thinking, uh, some clear thinking from uh, from those who need to think clearly. It all depends on how we um, on how we go. If 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 we beat Everton, then suddenly it's looking quite good again. If we don't beat Everton, it's Manchester City straight after that and then we're on 10 games with 7 points and done looks clever so uh, so I, I think it is it is an important sort of fork in the road at the moment and that everton game will be will be a big game for um for showing what the expectations can be for this season i don't want to be looking over my shoulder at any point this season thinking we could be one of the teams that that goes down if we only have 7 points after 10 games then you know that is the sort of form that is going to leave you uh, Leave you down there, but uh, but there are there are promising things, obviously. But we've got to learn how to deal with without Romeo Lavia probably for another couple of games, and we have shown no signs of being able to do that as yet. You know, those two games that we've lost have been the two where where he's been absent, and it's ridiculous that we've got an eighteen-year-old in his first season in the Premier League who suddenly looks that important to us. Whoever it is, be it Diallo, Maitland-Niles, warprous they've got to step up. And uh, Ralph has got to, you know, allow them to step up. Could go either way, but over- overall, on the games we've had, the fixtures we've had, I think seven points is a reasonable return.
2: Uh, and would you agree with that, Alfie? How would you assess the first seven?
5: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, almost word for word, I'd agree with that. Like you say, it's, uh, it's a surprise that losing one midfielder has changed the team so dramatically, but. I think Chelsea was a really, really good performance. And I think that you can take a lot of inspiration from that. Wolves wasn't that bad. It could have been slightly different. And, you know, I mean, Joe you know, Chatham's was a hand away from a point and potentially three. And then you, all of a sudden you say it's a lot different. But what I just find amazing is, such as the nature of the Premier League. It's like every single week we're saying, oh, this is the big game. This is the, you know, this is the, the marker for where we are, where we're at. And I, feel, I suppose that's testament to the fact that they're not really um stepping up each week. They they're making jumps up and then back down again and um, the inconsistency of young players and whatnot. But the waveform is, you know, continues to be to be not very good. I think mean, they won three games on the road last season, um and they beat Leicester on the road this season, who it emerges, are also not very good. Um so yeah, Everton's a, a massive one, but I think that they're doing okay. I am not massively worried about where this season's going to end up. I think there's a lot of promise in the team. I think the ideas are right, they'll start to come out, but I think they've got to just ditch this long ball a little bit and just try and, and play through the thirds, be a bit more transitional, be a bit more creative. Uh, they've got the players to do that. And, and when they do, I think it'll be it'll be good.
2: Steve, uh, Everton got their first win against West Ham. So uh, they're going into the international break completely the opposite to us uh, on a bit of a high. And I actually didn't realise they're quite tough to beat recently as well. Before today's win, it was four draws in a row, one of which against Liverpool as well. So, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll be on a bit of a high, won't they?
4: Um, yeah, you imagine so, but their away record has been, I mean, much like us has been awful. As a general rule, they've not got a particularly good record at St. Mary's, historically. So it's what it's a game that we should be targeting to win. I've said this many, many times on this podcast. I'm wholly unconvinced by Frank Lampard as a top top level manager, but then much as I am by Stephen Gerrard, and he's just gone and got a win against us, so that's where we are. Yeah, someone someone's got to step up in two weeks' time in that game. I mean, Everton have. I mean, somehow spent spent a load of money when they spent the whole summer saying, "Oh, we haven't got any money," which was was an interesting flex at the end of the transfer window. Again, those players are going to take a little bit of time to gel, um, so you've got to kind of pick up the those sort of small little crumbs of comfort where you can. And I think they're they're a team that we've that we've got a good opportunity against. Don't know if Pickford's going to be going to be fit for them by by the end of the inter- international break. I assume he probably will be. I mean Begovic has always been been a bit of a pain in the ass for us, hasn't he? As I say, they're they're a team that can be got at. They've had a relatively kind kind run of games lately. West Ham look looking just really out of sorts at the moment. Obviously, extra games in in midweek in the in the Conference League not helping them. You suspect also a couple of big name signings that they're trying to integrate and not quite getting the balance right at the moment. I suspect, as I say, they 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 should be there for the taking and. I would be surprised if we go into that game as underdogs. We're not awful at home. We've been, I mean, certainly this season, we've been pretty good in our, in our barring that 15, 20 minute spell against, against Leeds, Um, we've been, we've been decent at at home so far. So hopefully pick up on that bit more intensity, be a little bit more creative, bit braver as, as Glenn's Glenn said a few times this evening. Um, it's yeah you you're not going to get away with being as passive as we were on friday night in a home game because the fans will get up will get very quickly get on the players backs for it and then all of a sudden the atmosphere turns turns a little bit toxic and then you're in a you're in a whole different uh, different pot of
3: problems
2: glenn who would you like to see in and who out for this one you can't pick 11
3: <laughs> <laughs> well if you take the if you take the team that that started the game against Villa. You know the the number tens is the issue for me. I mean, I like, hopefully Maitland-Niles in two weeks can work out how to play in central midfield um, in this finely tuned setup that we've got. So that would be the first one. Um, though I did say that last week. The number tens you've got you've got the three that played, and then you've got Edouzy, Stuart Armstrong, and arebo Two of those three have got to play. Personally, I'd go for. St- Probably for Stuart Armstrong and Arebo, It'd probably be too brave to start all three of them. You know, Ever- Everton at home, why not? They're they're a kind of dull outfit. They're solid, but they're they're dull. There's nothing I you know, again, this is the old famous last words things. They're not the sort of team that's going to tear you apart. They've got Mopay and Anthony Gordon up front. It's not it's not exactly the world's most threatening attack. But they're you know they're a solid team. They got the um they got the guy back from Paris, didn't they? Garner gay. They got him back, he's decent. They got another midfielder, Anana, who's another one they signed like Steve said, how how did they sign him? He was they spent thirty million or something on him for a team that has no money. Cody and Tarkovsky at the back, they're solid. Unspectacular but solid. Hopefully we lean more towards that than the, the sort of pragmatism which ultimately didn't work at all from Friday. Well,
2: it's, uh, it's predictions time. So, uh, uh, looking at the table at the moment for the predictions so far this season, Glenn is, uh, is top with eight points so far oh from the, uh, the, the seven <laughs> games. For the Villa game, Martin was the only one to get three points. He predicted a 1-0 to Villa. Uh, ben and Jacob got one point for the right result there too. Steve only on one point at the bottom
4: at the moment, Hold it,
2: holding everyone up. What's going on, Steve? <laughs>
4: St- strong, strongest team at the bottom holding everyone up that's that's fine <laughs> um,
3: strong and stable yeah
4: um <laughs> just kind of go goes to show that we're we're just absolutely impossible to predict at the moment it's yeah we're just you can't can't rely on us i mean any, anybody who puts put puts actual money on on any of our results week by week. Absolute mugs game.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, we, we let's go around and get some predictions for uh, for Everton in a couple of weeks' time then. Alfie, what are you going for here?
5: I'm tossing up between two nil and two so one to southampton I feel like the clean sheet's gotta come at some point and I'm gonna lean into it. I'm gonna say two 0 Okay, he's going two nil. What about you, Glenn?
3: Top of the table, Glenn? Uh so, oh, no pressure. Similarly, you know, defensively I think we're getting there. I think it will be a horrendous game and I think we will win it 1-0. Not as bad as Villa, though. No, it can't be that bad. But in a similar sort of way, we'll play as badly as Villa did and just about sneak it, I'm hoping. So I'll go for 1-0 for us.
4: What about you, Steve? You need some points. So I'll also go with 2-0. I just think that that clean sheet's got to come eventually, balance of probability. And for once, we might might just get the bounce of the ball full for us in front of goal. That'd be nice.
2: That's pretty much it for this week. Don't forget you can follow the Total Saints podcast on Facebook and Twitter. It's just at Total Saints Pod. Our website, TotalSaints.co.uk, includes a link to our online shop, Total Saints Icons, and you can drop us an email during the week if you like as well. We're also on Patreon, where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution. Just visit patreon.com slash Total Saints Podcast. Patreon is spelled P A T R-E-O-N. We have four tiers ranging from £5 to £20 per month, each come with their own perks, including weekly shout-outs for those patrons in our Francis Benali tier and the newly named Mick Shannon tier as well. So thank you to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Matt Hall in the Francis Benali tier and also to Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Hinkston, Phil Cook and Matt Rose and Nick Reed in our Mick Shannon tier. Thank you again to Steve, Glenn and Alfie for this week. We'll be back real soon with another episode of the Total Saints podcast. But in the meantime, thank you for listening and
1: we'll see you real soon. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116 123. That's 116 123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's.